It was Francois Truffaut who said, There are two kinds of directors, those who have the public in mind when they create their films and those who don't consider the public at all. For the former, cinema is an art of spectacle. For the latter, it is an individual adventure. I'm Martina Minow, and today I am joined by a director who has straddled a fine line between both. I am, of course, joined today by Marcus Entwistle to discuss their upcoming film, La La Land Before Time. Welcome, Mr. Entwistle. Hello, thanks for having me. So delighted to have you here. And La La Land Before Time, what a classic. Well, absolutely. You know, I think, uh, I mean, ever since I was a boy, really, I, I loved musicals um, so much. Um, I just think there's something so wonderful about, about that, that moment where you transcend from speech to singing and it's so impossible and so wonderful so silly and I thought but you know we've never had a time travel musical so that's I guess really where it started. Well for me time simply stopped while I was watching the film I was hooked now, obviously, I watched it the moment it was released. However, not all of our listeners may have seen it yet. Could you summarise for us what La La Land Before Time is really about? Yeah, well, I mean, essentially, it's about a young dinosaur trying to make it in 50s Hollywood. And then, of course, on top of that, we're laying various layers of social commentary. And then it's a musical as well. So, uh, so there's a lot, to, a lot to see there. Um, obviously, there's also the fact that the, the dinosaur is out of time. You know, it, it's travelled from prehistoric Earth to the 50s. Um, and it's also got this beautiful singing voice, which, which starts off its career in Hollywood. Oh, Marcus, just wonderful. More layers than a trifle, this film. I was delighted. <laughs> now, tell us about that opening sequence. It was all singing, all dancing. How did you uh, decide how it was going to look? Well... Always open with a splash is what I think about a film. Mm. So I was thinking about that moment when the dinosaurs realise that the asteroid is heading towards Earth and they're all going to die. And, uh, and I was thinking, well, what would happen? I guess the dinosaurs would all try and get out of the major uh, sort of habitats. They'd all try and leave. And so what we have essentially is a kind of dinosaur traffic jam uh, that just stretches off into the mountains with all these dinosaurs trying to leave um, and then and we see the asteroid sort of large in the sky looming larger than the sun coming towards the earth and then what else is the population of the planet going to do at this moment they turn to their the harbinger of death in the sky and it just transcends into song at that point and we just have a giant song and dance routine which is the very last moment of all the dinosaurs lives except of course for our protagonist spike Yes, Spike. And Spike's solo was just phenomenal. We've got a clip of that now. Hey, you raptor, get out of my way. I don't want to be primordial soup today. Hey, you T-Rex, get out of my way. I don't want to be primordial soup today. What is that up high, right in the sky? It's coming down right now, high in the sky. Hey, you T-Rex, get out of my way. I don't want to be primordial soup today.
I mean, it's pretty uh, pretty amazing to to get that kind of talent. Uh, you know, someone who's a triple threat who can sing, who can dance, who can act, and is also a dinosaur. I mean, that is. I mean, it's almost a quadruple threat, I guess, and a threat just generally because uh, being a carnivore, uh, you know, being a raptor, it's also just a threat on all levels, really. Absolutely, absolutely. And what I really admire about you, Mr. Entwistle, is that you never shy away from danger. And having dinosaurs on set in tap shoes was dangerous. Now, I hear you had a bit of a run-in with the health and safety experts. How did that go? Well, yeah, I'm a bit of a maverick, as you know, and I really just tried to keep the fact that we had live dinosaurs a secret on set because I knew that there would be problems with health and safety at that point. Um, obviously, when Spielberg did the dinosaurs back in Jurassic Park, that was a combination of puppetry and CGI. But things have moved on from that point and we were able to bring real dinosaurs back to life using actually the technology that was only a fiction in Jurassic Park we were able to clone real dinosaurs. Um, and then, uh, and, and I had to smuggle them onto set essentially. Uh, but then of course, um, an officer from the, from the Hollywood Health and Safety Office were on set. And I could almost make a film about that actually, as we tried to move the dinosaurs away. It was a bit like a farce really. You know, the officer would come into one room, the dinosaurs would run out into another room. But at the end of the day, they did actually meet um, you know, there was just a moment where two doors opened and, and the dinosaurs and the health and safety officer met. But it actually it, it ended up fine because the dinosaurs just ate them. And then that was really the end of it. Isn't that what we hope happens to all health and safety experts, that they'll get eaten by a dinosaur in tap dancing shoes? Yeah. Now, Marcus, I don't know if you know this, but you actually had an intern on set that day, captured this on an iPhone. We'll play that clip now. I swear to you, Mr. Entwistle, I am not leaving this set until I have inspected every dang member of the cast. That includes Tom Hanks, that includes Hillary Clinton, and that includes all of these reported raptors that I am convinced that you have. You will open that door for me, sir. You will open that door. This is just my mother-in-law. She's put on a bit of weight, but uh, no, she's just having a tour of the set. I've fallen for the mother-in-law excuse before, Mr. Entwistle. What do you think? This is my first six months as a Hollywood health inspector open that door oh oh my god my tibia oh it's got my tibia no mother-in-law i know you haven't had anything to eat but right in the tibia slightly incriminating footage there I, i i was wondering is there a possibility i could maybe get that iphone uh well, let's talk later, Mr. Entwistle. I'm not averse to a little bribery. I do like a Ferrero Rocher myself. Classy, I know. Very. What a scoop to get Ms. Hillary Clinton to star. Tell me, how did that come about? Well, actually, it was almost a case of mistaken identity because uh, I wanted Hillary Swank. I just got the names a bit mixed up and uh, ended up with, you know, Hillary Clinton. And at first I was a little worried about that because she doesn't have a huge amount of acting experience. You know, she's more been in the political realm. Um, But actually it turned out to be a really wonderful thing. And I couldn't, I, you know, you look at the character now, you can't see anyone else playing the role, really. No, I couldn't imagine it. And um, the scene between Clinton and Spike atop the volcano was just 
very moving. And I really think she's got something, you know. I really do. Yeah, you know, apparently she's looking for a new job. Her last career didn't quite work out. So I just think it's kismet all round, really. Absolutely. Here's our clip now. Miss Clinton, I've got to. I've got to leap into the lava. There's no point in me pursuing jazz or music anymore. I swear to you, my life as a musical dinosaur, it's as over as the lives of everyone else I left behind. Well, you know, sometimes you've just got to take the punches as they come. And after all, if we've got one thing in common, it's a thick skin. You with your reptilian hide, and me with my resilience to the world. I guess I never really thought about it like that. You're right, Mrs. Clinton. I guess we both had to be resilient to a horrible, biased coverage in the press. Hey, maybe, maybe I'm in the wrong career. Maybe it's not music I should go into. Maybe it's politics. Mr. Entwistle, it's no underestimation to say that you have inspired young Democrats and young dinosaurs across the nation. Quite the responsibility. How are you adjusting to your newfound fame? Well, it's hard, obviously, and and at the moment, I think politics, the, the world of politics is very charged. You know, there's a lot happening in the world at the moment that is is quite... What, awful or sad or challenging so I just think if you can be that spark do you know what I mean that spark of hope that spark of inspiration and whether you are a political candidate or a once extinct creature that has now come back to life I feel like you need that hope and in fact damn it I think everyone needs a bit of hope right now and if we can be that for anyone I feel really really excited it's an honor that we get to do this you know, that's what I think a lot of people forget. We're in the business of creating dreams, of putting them up on the screen and, 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 and inspiring people. And, you know, if we can do that, then I, I'm happy. I go home a happy man. And you have inspired people. I don't know if you've heard, but there's now been a cult set up in your name. They call themselves the Dinosaur Dynasty. They proclaim that dinosaurs are the future. Uh, I've got a clip from their recent pep rally. It's very, very exciting, Mr. Entwistle. Dinosaur Dynasty, Dinosaur Dynasty. Raptors are our past and future. Raptors are our past and future. Hey Simon, do you want another white claw? It's claw because it's like a dinosaur. It's you drink it. Oh yeah. Another. Another. <laughs> you crush that can just as easily as a megasauropod would have crushed the small nests of tiny dinosaurs in ancient China. Yeah, like a stegosaurus would club a ginchanosaurus right in the cranium. Yeah. You know what? Maybe we should go into politics. Maybe we should. You have inspired people to, to take action and protest and get into politics. But I've got to ask, Mr. Entwistle, what's really close to your heart? I think really what I'm most interested in is the environment climate change and when I you know when when making La La Land before time 
you know, we were dealing with this moment where almost the entire population of the planet was wiped out. And it got me thinking, you know, how long before something like that happens again? How long before another planetary event wipes us off the planet? And I feel like it's my duty to do something about that. And as you know, I am incredibly uh, active within that sort of sphere. I hear you might be running for an environmental position yourself. Can you talk us through your campaign? What's that going to look like? Yeah, yeah. so I'm running for sort of I got planet protector, essentially. It's a global role uh, where, whereby I would be the person that was sort of in charge of just protecting the planet, uh, right from the sort of everyday things, things we do ourselves, like, like climate change, uh, emissions, um, that sort of thing. So that's sort of internal things. But also, if there were any alien invasions or any external threats, uh, that would also sort of fall under my purview. So it's, you know, it's, it's a bit of a difference from being a film director to single-handedly vouchsafing the safety of the planet. Um, but, you know, I, th I think I'm a good candidate for it. And, uh, and we're being quite aggressive in the campaign. And obviously being a filmmaker, uh, communication is sort of my uh, raison d'etre. Uh, so I think we're doing quite well getting that message across. Absolutely. And Mr. Emerson, you have my vote. Absolutely. We have got your campaign trailer. It's quite something, isn't it? My gosh, my heart was a flutter. <laughs> uh, here we go. The world, unprotected. A regular Tuesday, a regular street. But do you know if you and your family and your family's family is safe from the extraterrestrial threat? Uh, I mean, I, I didn't even know if aliens really exist. There's not much evidence. Precisely. And that's the ignorance that got us last time. Have you ever seen a better statue of health, viability, muscularity, or creativity than Marcus Entwistle, film director? Well, <laughs> you're about to see a lot more of this guy. Isn't he the guy who did all good war dogs go to heaven? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's alright. Marcus Entwistle for Planet Protector 2021 because somebody's got to fucking take care of this shit. Because someone really does need to fucking take care of this shit. And there's no one I would rather trust with the planet than you, Mr. Endwistle. You have such a good heart. Oh, thank you. I was a bit worried about going so aggressive at the end of that, but uh, it seems to have worked. And I know that your Dinosaur Dynasty fans will be right behind you on the campaign trail. Yes, uh, definitely the Dinosaur Dynasty are people who I think I can count on as being supporters. Uh, they come to all my rallies. And what lies ahead in the filmmaking world for you, Mr Entwistle? Any projects on the horizon? Well, yeah, there's a, there's a few things I would love to do. There's a, obviously a script I've been shopping around, Snow White and the Seven Samurai Dwarfs, um, which I'd really love to get into production. Um, I mean, there's a few things there, you know, I feel... I just love Japan, essentially. I think that whole culture, that whole country, that history is, is so beautiful and exciting. And I think, as many people in Hollywood have always thought, like, who better to capture that culture than someone from an entirely different culture? 
Um, it's probably the, you know, I feel like I'm the best person to tell that story. And we've come up with a really interesting idea that draws from fairy tale, that draws from feudal Japan, uh, that draws from selling apples. Um, and, and yeah, I'm just really excited about it. Really excited. Oh, I am delighted. And I, I think you're the perfect man for the job. I don't mean to be insensitive, but you have got a critic out there. Vince Vicious, with his lashing tongue, has been, uh, well, he's not been too kind about you, Mr. Entwistle. Uh, I don't know if you've seen his recent YouTube, but it's rather scathing. Yes, I mean, I, mean, I have, and uh, I think he makes some fair points, to be honest. Uh, you know, it is hard to jump from being a Hollywood director to being in charge of a planet um, and perhaps I don't have all the experience I need but how do you get that experience without doing the job really I know in my heart that I would be good and you know what what more can any person say that they believe in themselves but yeah as I say you know I think he he, he makes some good points he makes the kind of points that sometimes makes one wake up in the middle of the night the cold sweat on your brow, just thinking like, what am I doing? I mean, I, I don't feel like I can even look after myself. I mean, let alone an entire planet. I mean, really, what, Marcus, what are you doing, Marcus? You stupid little boy. Like, I just want to, I just want to put the duvet over my head and never come out again. Never, ever, like, just never leave my room. Just stay there underneath the duvet and just cry, cry to myself. Sometimes I think that. Well, it's nice to see that the criticism hasn't got to you, Marcus, uh, and that you're resilient as always. Um, we have actually, and I hope you don't mind, we've actually invited Vince on. Now, if this is too painful for you, then we can just stand him down. But I thought maybe a little tete-a-tete might make for some interesting listening. I've received some feedback from Vince Vicious that I'm boring and pompous, which I think is rather rude. I mean, that's very rude. I think so. I've got a compelling eyebrow game, if nothing else. Anyway, I'd like to invite Vince Vicious on to give his feedback on your recent film, La La Land Before Time, and your upcoming campaign to be Planet Protector. But Marcus, there will be time to respond, don't you fear. Please welcome Vince Vicious. First of all, you just think you're better than all of us, which comes across in your work. I'm going to be honest, the Triceratops tap routine was a shambles. I mean, four feet for tap and then shoes on the horns. What were you thinking, Marcus? Right? I've not seen anything so ridiculous since I read the script for your Snow White and the Seven Samurai Dwarves. I mean, how are you going to cast seven Japanese dwarves but have them all be Hollywood white stars? I've not seen anything so appalling since Ghost in the Shell. I mean, you just need to move with the times. And I think... You sort out your films before you try and sort out the planet. You know what I mean? Get your response, Marcus. I, I mean, I, th I think there are some fair points there. Um, it does make sense to put the tap shoes on the feet of the dinosaur rather than the, the horns. Uh, you know, when, I, when you're on set and you have a thousand and one things to think about, it's very hard to just kind of zoom in on any one detail. And I have to admit, when I did watch it back, I was like, why are those shoes hanging on the horns there? They don't do anything. They never get a chance to tap. There are, you know, I think it was probably something to do at the time. And I'm not making excuses now, but I think probably it was at the time we just didn't have any shoes big enough to fit the dinosaur's feet. And so we just hung them there on the horns. Um, 
but yeah, no, it didn't work and I didn't need to include it in the film. And that's one of, I guess, many problems with, with trying to put together a disaster movie and a musical and, uh, you know, a, a biopic about Hollywood and jazz and movie making. It probably was too much. I think probably often I take on too much. I think it's a hallmark of my life you know, where it's, whether it's trying to mash too many genres together or proclaiming myself the protector of the entire globe. I just overreach sometimes. And, 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 I, and I fail a lot. Oh, and that doesn't seem to stop me overreaching again. I just, I don't, I think whatever part of the brain that humans have that allow us to learn from our mistakes, I just don't have that part of my brain. Marcus, I thought the shoes on the horns was inspired. I've been wearing my slippers on my ears for weeks after seeing this. I really felt moved by it. Um, I wouldn't take it as a failure. I thought it was inspired. And Mr. Vicious, I'd like to invite you to create something as wonderful as La La Land before time, because all I see from you is a scurvy criticism of people who are more creative than you can ever hope to be. Now, Mr. Entwistle, we're coming towards the end of our interview. Um, I feel that this has been more than an interview. It's been like therapy. I've learned so much about you. I feel for you deeply, and I wish you all the best for the future. Now, I'm very excited for Snow White and the Seven Samurai Dwarves. Um, I hope you don't mind. We have procured a sneak preview of the trailer. Now, I won't play it without your permission but I would love to show it off. No, I, I'm very, very proud of it and uh, would love, would love your uh, viewers and your listeners uh, to, yeah, just to see it. To, I guess this is a world premiere. It absolutely is a world premiere. So suck on that, Rowena Rowe, my arch nemesis. Here is a world premiere. Let's cut to... Land of the rising sun, red in the heat, red as an apple held by a witch. going to have to pick up on your dueling skills if you're gonna beat me, Footman. But boy oh boy, ever since I took my creed and acquired this second sword, I sure have been feeling the motivation to get out of the palace. I wonder if there's more people that could use my help across this kingdom of Japan. At the foot of Mount Fuji lies a house filled with angry warriors. Yeah, we're so angry! Yeah, furious. I'm Japanese. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. One warrior princess and seven dwarves will unite the prefectures into one land. What do you think of the emperor? Yeah, I think he's, he's okay. Great! Seven dwarves. Seven fights. Seven Samurai. Sorry, I just like to do the noises sometimes. Oh, Marcus. I can tell it's going to be another hit. <laughs>
I, I just, I haven't seen that for a while and I am so proud. You know, I think the planet needs this film. I, I retract my earlier statement. I am the right person to protect the planet and I am a brilliant film director. I've learned nothing from anything that I've done before this point and I'm going to continue to overreach all the time in every aspect of my life. Thank you so much, Martina. You have, you were, I, I'm going to grab the Triceratops by the horns, take off the shoes and keep dancing. Oh, Marcus. And next time you doubt yourself, I hope there's a little voice in your head of Spike the tap dancing dinosaur saying, Marcus Entwistle, you're rawsome. Thank you so much. The Improvised Movie Director podcast features Sabrina Luisi as Martina Minow, with resident improvisers Vicky Hawley and Rory Vieira. With special thanks to this week's guest, Chris Mead. IMDP is produced and edited by Steve Tanner. Theme music by Matt Brown and Johnny Griffiths. Episode artwork by Marty Sears. Additional music by Stan Babich. <laughs>